Hi there, this is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner with Momenta Partners. Welcome to the Momenta Intelligent Edge podcast series, where we feature leading practitioners and thinkers across connected industry and the broader technology landscape. Hey, everyone, and this is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner of Momenta Partners. Today, our guest is Joe Weiss, who's managing partner of Applied Control Solutions. And, and the way we uh, connected was, uh, was quite interesting. Joe is an uh, uh, in, incredibly insightful thinker, uh, and he had responded to some of, the, uh, some of the content that we put out on our website and uh, had, had reached out a couple of times with you know, really, really insightful commentary uh, and a link to his blog which is at uh, controlglobal.com slash unfettered. And I was so impressed with the depth uh, and uniqueness of his insights into cybersecurity around control systems that, uh, that I reached out and, and, and asked him to uh, be a guest on the podcast and, and share some of his insights. So, Joe, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Oh, thank you for asking. Yeah, terrific. Well, listen, let's just let's start a little bit with some background. I'd love to get a uh, some. Could you share a bit of perspective on uh, really on on your background and 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 really is what's what's shaped your view of technology and uh, kind of brought you into the into the into the field of expertise where you're now focused? Okay, um, by education and by my initial experience in the world, I'm a nuclear engineer. And so my focus there was always instrumentation, controls, and diagnostics. So that's what I was doing for years and years. Uh, first when I was with GE Nuclear Energy and then when I went to the Electric Power Research Institute. And in fact, my first five years at EPRI, the Electric Power Research Institute, was running the nuclear instrumentation and diagnostics programs because they had regulatory concerns over sensors. And so sensors and for that matter, diagnostics. So that's why I was doing so much there was because of the regulatory considerations. And then what happened is I moved from running the nuclear program to going over and running the fossil plant instrumentation and controls programs. And kind of an interesting aside, in the mid 1900s in the mid 1990s the IT organization at EPRI came to me asking me to address cybersecurity and i basically told them you know go home get away because nobody cares about email that was what we thought cyber was in the mid to late 90s um the other thing that was going on was I was doing all of this work trying to get digital systems installed everywhere and along with communication. So much of what I was doing was making things vulnerable because we never thought there was a double-edged sword to that. We thought the more communication you had, the better things would be. The concept of a bad guy simply never came to mind. And then what happened from there is I ended up 
starting and becoming the technical lead, essentially for the electric industry, on the Y2K Embedded Systems Program, which was, in a way, the first, if you will, non-malicious cyber program. But the big thing about Y2K was that because officers and directors were personally liable, all of a sudden, all of the silos everywhere came down, and people talked for the first time. So that part was great, and basically at 12.01, 2000, we had to figure out what do we do now, and we thought, myself and the others on this EPRI Y2K program was, well, gee, since we have people talking, why don't we just extend from, quote-unquote, the unintentional, which is what Y2K was, into the intentional cyber. That's how that whole thing started. There was never any reason, you know, we were worried or anything else. There were um, programs ongoing, but they were kind of, if you will, somewhat on the dark side. So when we started the cyber program at EPRI, it wasn't because we knew there was a problem. What happened was, and this is leading to kind of where I am now, when I started going to all of these cybersecurity meetings, you know, where you'd have, um, you know, the big communication companies, DOD, da-da-da-da-da-da, and I'd sit in the back of the room, and pretty much everything they said went over my head, all of these X.509s and certificates, but... Each time when I said, wait a minute, none of this not only applies to a control system, but could even be used by a control system. Each time I was told that was the first time anybody had ever brought that up. And that's when I started reeling, wait a minute, we may have a problem here. So when I started in the <clears throat> and put out the first, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, EPRI printer, as well as when I put out the R&D plan. This is back in 2000, maybe even early 2001. But the point was, it was supposed to have addressed the entire control system loop from the control room, which is where you had all of your, you know, um, Windows HMIs or Unix or Vax, VMS, whatever, all the way down through the controllers, down to, if you will, the sensors and final elements. It was supposed to have been the whole thing. And when I started the program, and it's also in my book, which I can go into later, is I tried to say that the cyber is a three-legged stool. The first leg is physical security. It's guns, gates, and guards. The second leg is IT security. In other words, all of the networks, be it Windows, whatever, all of the, you know, IP networks. And the third leg were the control systems. And what I was trying to, what I was saying all along is, 
really the IT world has to solve the Windows and, you know, Internet protocol problems. The control system world is a small player there. And if you look even today, obviously the IT world hasn't solved it because we keep finding all of these major, you know, IT breaches. But the real point was the only people that could solve the last leg of the stool, which were the control systems, or if you will, where you go boom in the night, would be, if you will, the utilities or the control system community. Because if they didn't, it wouldn't get solved. And here we are now in 2019, and there hasn't been a lot of work done to actually secure or even identify the fact where we don't have security when you get below, if you will, the IP network layer. So that was, if you will, the initial, where are we? Right. Um, I, I can you, give you, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I, you know, which we can get into this a little bit later, but I know you've been doing quite a lot of work in terms of tracking uh, some of the, some of the security shortfalls and, and, uh, and incidents and that, that go, are completely under the radar. Um, yeah. but you know, actually to, to expand on the point, I, I, uh, why is it that, you know, industrial control systems have, you know, have, have evolved to the point where, I mean, to, to, to your point, you know, the, you know, the, the concept of security uh, just has not, you know, has not been embedded into the into the engineering. Is that, you know, is that a, you know, is that really just a result of the the, the siloed natures of the technologies, or you know, or or are there other, uh, you know, are other other factors at work? Well, you're right, and there are other factors, but I want to point out one other thing, which I hadn't thought about really until you just said it. People complain that, gee, the, secure, the control system world or the engineering world didn't consider security. Well, what I'm dealing with to this day, and this goes all the way to NIST, and that is the security community still doesn't know or understand reliability and safety. So if you want this major culture gap, here's where it's coming from. The sensors and these controllers feed two pieces. You know, they're feeding the IT piece through networks. But this is what's operating, you know, systems that have to be reliable and inherently have safety consequences. And part of the reason I wrote my latest blog, this thing about the sensor issue, is because Dragos and GE were writing a series of white papers to educate the quote-unquote engineering community about cybersecurity, which is really good. However, other than my book and some other things, there's nobody trying to educate the security community about the engineering concerns. 
And I had brought that up years ago. I was on a panel uh, in Las Vegas. It was an education conference. And this starts way at the beginning because cybersecurity is normally taught in computer science. And they don't require you, in, in most cases, that if you're taking computer science or cybersecurity, to have to take any engineering classes. And meanwhile, the engineering domains, whether it's you know electrical, mechanical, chemical systems, nuclear, industrial, don't really require you to have any cybersecurity requirements. So you're creating that gap from the beginning. It's pretty remarkable. I think one of the uh, the comments I've heard from some software engineers in in uh, really in the IT security world is that a lot of applications end up being built uh, without any uh, you know any thought for the the type of structural integrity and and structural engineering concerns, right? That uh, you know that characterize physical engineering, right? Like if, if people. Yeah. If if people uh, built if if uh, bridges were built like software is built right they'd be collapsing all over the place. Yeah, the uh, official blue screen of death for a bridge. Exactly, and you you just you just you just can't have that. Uh, I uh, I'd be interested to uh, learn a bit more about the some of the work that you've done, uh, kind of documenting the the you know the problem and and you know could could you share a little bit of some of the insights that you know that 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 you've uh, you know that 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 you've come away with as as you've done uh, you know done such deep work in the uh, in the control system space. Okay, so. I'm going to go back to what you asked before because I think it'll tie things together, which is recognizing all of these control system cyber incidents that have occurred to date. And to start with, there needs to be, people need to come together on what is the definition of a cyber incident? The undocumented but de facto definition of a cyber incident in the IT world is you're connected to the internet, you're using Windows and somebody's trying to, you know, steal or manipulate your data. The NIST definition, I think it's FIPS 140, and it's been around for a very long time, is it's electronic communication between systems that affects confidentiality, integrity, or availability. And there are two things about that definition. The first is there is no mention by choice of the word malicious. The NIST definition does not require an event to be malicious to be a cyber incident. The second thing is it's an IT definition because the most important letter to us in the control system world is the letter S for safety. Because IT can't kill anybody, but engineering can and has. So, so yeah, this, go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a broader definition, right? Where safety, it's uh, uh, I think what you're saying here is that safety is is a by much broader encompassing concept and and security and even uh cybersecurity are are really you know just a subset of 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 safety in a, yeah. in a broader sense. Yeah, the, the the whole point is this to the engineering world. If you cannot negatively impact reliability or safety, then it's really irrelevant. So this whole thing about cyber for the control systems, not for data, it's really important to make sure people don't steal your, you know, your formulas or, you know, other, you know, business confidential information. But if you can't affect the reliability or safety of the operation, then I'm sorry, it's just not that important. What's gotten lost is prior to 9-11, the engineers owned the systems. And cyber was an issue. It was a business issue. We had a conference in Houston on 9-10, big ISA conference. And we had a couple of sessions on cyber. And we had utilities and oil, gas, and chemicals, and, you know, water and whatever there. I mean, Delco was there. I think Procter & Gamble was there. We had a dog food manufacturing company that was there. Because if the control systems don't work, you can't make anything. Well, what happened was the next day was 9-11. I couldn't get out of Houston, nor could anybody. And following that, cyber was made national security and yanked away from the engineering organizations off to IT. <clears throat> and there were a lot of unintentional consequences to that. One of the first is... Excuse me, prior to 9-11, when the engineers owned this, the focus was, is the process doing what it's supposed to do? In other words, are you keeping lights on, water flowing? Is the assembly line running at the right speed? Right. It's All much more about availability, right? Your, your Availability, keeping processes productivity, going. Yep. safety, engineering concepts. Well, when IT got it, it all of a sudden became the network. And to this day, ICS cybersecurity, unfortunately, has morphed into protecting the networks, not protecting the lights from staying on, but protecting the networks. And... Let me be very clear. You can keep lights on even if the network is down. But if the if the, the lights are off, the network isn't going to be on anyways. And we're looking at the wrong things. Instead of it's the end game we're worried about and 
the networks are the way to optimize getting there. It's turned into, gee, if you don't have the networks, then you're toast. And the answer is that's not true. In particular when you're dealing with control systems, right? Because the, the, the control In systems the control themselves system are... In the control system world. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and this is why I keep, you know, joking and I'm using a name. If you're not worried about the control systems, you might as well be dealing with Macy's. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing there, or for that matter, you know, any financial institution or anything else, any retail, whatever. What makes this different, because every industrial company has a front end, you know, with the business operations, and that front end like I say, you might as well be Macy's if you're worried about the front end. What makes the control system world different is it's the back end where you actually make things. And that's where physics come into play, and you better be careful what you're doing. And one of the real concerns is because IT doesn't understand the implications of what they're trying to do, they have often caused more problems than the hackers. <laughs> That's uh, that the the, uh, the 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 too many cooks syndrome, uh, as it were. Well, guess, it's, right? it's not just the too many cooks; it's having cooks who don't even know what's in the ingredients. Mm. And so what happens is, and this is kind of the genesis of where the ISA 99 or the IEC 62443 standards came about, because you've got the ISO 27000 set of cybersecurity standards, but they're for IT. And the concern was if you tried to apply them directly to a control system, you could cause real havoc, maybe even damage, and there has been damage. And so ISA 99 started to essentially create a ISO 27000 that was specific to control systems. And I'd like to say that the control system world is unified, but they're not. Because the electric industry, of all things, keeps going off on its own. Huh. And for that matter, so does the nuclear industry. And there are some real problems in both. That's uh, that's interesting. So there, there really is not a uh, – you're involved – you've been involved with, with standards efforts. What are – you know, what are some of the the real challenges in, involved with, uh, you know, with, with establishing – yeah, see, everything is going back to culture. The culture being, when this was originally engineering, you had the engineering people who were involved, and they understood the hardware, you know, the implications, you name it. Well, once it became a quote-unquote cyber-slash-network problem, it went from protecting the hardware and the process to all about the networking. 
One of the biggest efforts going on right now in electric is through IECTC 57, which is trying to invent their own form of Internet communications. And it's like, and, and the hardware is out of scope. It, it's, isn't it, hasn't that already been done? It's, it sounds just, like a, having a lot of people have already worked on that together, yes, right? Yes. It's so, it's so interesting. It, yeah. It's, you know, where we are, you know, in considering, you know, you're being momentum partners, da 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 da. There is a big world right now out there for, you know, VCs and others looking for the next great security company to fund. And almost all of them, almost all of them, are some form of network monitoring. Right. Again, it's going back to this issue of, hey, we're, you know, quote unquote, IT, it's the network. DHS and for that matter, DOE, has done very, very, very little to actually fund projects that specifically address the control systems. And almost nothing when you get down to these lowest level field devices. You know, it's... And it's, it's 2019. It's, it's... Yeah, it, it, it's pretty astounding when you, uh, you know, when 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 you talk about this, because you know, if you think about what could be some of our most vulnerable infrastructure, you know, the fact that there really has not been any sort of programmatic or 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 even you know uh, sustained effort to you know to you know to to address some of these threats is is pretty amazing and um I would love to have you talk about the scope of the problem and i i think part of maybe part of the issue is that people don't appreciate really how big it is i mean how could you talk about i mean you've done a lot of a lot of work about on this but you, you know we we don't we don't get the uh the the type of uh headlines in uh you know in control system failure i mean i you have to say, I almost have never heard of these, uh, well, these failures. I'll, I'll, give you an, I'll give you an ex, uh, a, a classic example from where I live in the Bay Area. But before I do that, <clears throat> when you ask how big is it, first of all, this is the invisible visible. Or these are the things that are everywhere, but you know, you don't even see them. Okay, so it's not just every power plant. And by the way, that could also be solar, wind, you know, coal, nuclear, hydro, every substation, every pipeline, all of your manufacturing, um, all of your transportation, um, defense, um, medical, pharmaceutical, um, what control systems are is simply a device, and it even could be a human device, that monitors and controls a process. So, I mean, you think about your heart and, you know, controlling blood pressure, okay? Um, your 
monitoring how hot something is to know do I have to open a valve or do I have to add water? And think about how ubiquitous this is. Where we are today, and then I'll give you the examples that you would asked about, but it's this funny thing of saying, if you're a doctor and you can't trust your temperature or blood pressure readings, how do you make a diagnosis? Pretty straightforward, isn't it? And yet all of the funding and all of the focus by DOE, DHS, you name it, is on the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. The assumption is, well, gee, that temperature and blood pressure reading must be right. Why? Because we said it is. We have no way of saying anything else, therefore it is. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. So the example I wanted to give you is what happened here in the Bay Area. This was a number of years ago. And it occurred within a few weeks of each other. Um, BART, you know, the Bay Area Rapid Transit, had decided that they were going to turn off the Internet uh, when the trains were underground for a while. And that caused a, quote-unquote, insurrection. And Anonymous, the hacker group, in order to protest, ended up hacking the uh, personal information from the BART riders. So that made the front page of the San Jose Mercury and the San Francisco Cron, da-da-da-da-da-da. Well, what happened a couple weeks before was, and this was on page six or so of the San Jose Mercury, BART had a control room problem where they lost the view of every train on the system. They no longer knew where anything was. So they had to shut down every train exactly where it was. Now, as best as I recall, it may have been a router problem. But the difference is, this could have killed how many people? And yet, this is page six you know, that ran one day. There was a whole week of things about what Anonymous did by stealing, you know, the uh, uh, BART customer's personal information. Gee, which is, which is more critical? Yeah, no doubt, right? These, um, I mean, the, the attacks, the, the, these, yeah, cyber you know, control system inc- incidents are, uh, I mean, there is that's that's truly life and death. Or another way of saying it's existential for this country, and we're not hardly even looking. So, uh, well, you've been tracking a lot of these uh, uh, these incidents. I think on, on your blog you mentioned that, yeah. that you tracked over. Uh, it was about sixteen. Is about sixteen hundred incidents. Over, over eleven hundred, but okay. That's what I call an individual incident. Right. And I'll explain how big this is. Okay. 
I think many people are familiar with Stuxnet. Yep. What Stuxnet was, was hacking into, the, into a controller to change the logic so you could change the process. And you did this because, and then to change it back so nobody would know. Okay? Make sense? So here's the one that will get you. The Volkswagen cheat device scandal. What was that? That was going in and changing the logic in every single Volkswagen and Audi diesel to know when that car was under test, to be able to change the fuel and emission controls so it would pass the test, and then after testing to change the logic back so that they would get their 45 miles per gallon. If I didn't tell you that, I would have t just told you Stuxnet. That was at least 800,000 cars. Mm -hmm. Fiat Chrysler got hit with almost, I think it was either 80 or 100,000. I mean, these are billions. And the interesting part about these were, Normally, you worry about a rogue insider as an individual. These were rogue corporations. The next thing you think about is malicious. Well, they must be trying to hack or damage something. Well, in this case, it was done because EPA had changed the environmental requirements. And it was no longer physically possible for the diesel to meet both the new emission requirements and, you know, the mileage they were promising. So the question becomes, what is meant by malicious? In this case, it was to the environment and to the value of the cars. Betcha that's not what most people think malicious is. Now that's uh, you know that's that's it, it is pretty astounding the you know the the scope of this is there you know is uh, is there a way to uh, ensure there's a uh, a seal of good housekeeping as it were for. Uh, for for control systems, I know. I mean, it's almost of course it's almost impossible for no. For security and, and I'll tell you why. Okay, and there are several organizations, including ISA. ISA has a thing called ISA Secure. TUV uh, is like a UL. UL wanted to, but you know, UL is really not in the you know big industrial control space. But the point is these certifiers are certifying for safety. That's why they were there from the beginning. Cyber is a very different animal, and part of why this becomes so big is in the IT world, you're worried about a box. Is that Windows box secure or not? 
in the control system world, it's a system of systems. You may have a Honeywell plant distributed control system. It's got, say, a bunch of Rockwell controllers, which then has a bunch of Emerson sensors and analyzers, which may have some Pepperell and Fuchs sensors associated with it, you know, which may have valves from rotator. I can keep on going, okay? So if you want to actually put a seal of approval, what we really need is a seal of approval of the system being used. It is really, really difficult. To do a, if you will, a, a, a cyber validation of this entire system, especially when you're going to have protocols or devices that have no security in them whatsoever. Are there ways that uh, that companies can audit their systems or either ex? ex, ex or will there be external requirements, particularly well, there are by, in, in, yeah. Yeah, there are in the utility and nuclear space, but they're really not adequate. In the utility space, you have this thing called NERC-SIP, the North American Electric Reliability Corporation, Critical Infrastructure Protection Standards. And the reason they're, they're, they're wholly inadequate is, number one, all of electric distribution, in other words, what goes to your house or building, all of electric distribution is out of scope, okay? All of these non-routable protocols, you know, these sensor protocols that are using 1,200 baud modems, that's all out of scope. Um, depending on the voltage of the transmission system, if it's not high enough, it's out of scope. Depending on a power plant, if it's not big enough, it's out of scope. And if it's out of scope, they're not even looking. So that's uh, yeah, that's a that's a challenge. What what do you think would be really necessary to say catalyze a a, a broader effort to? Uh, you know, to, to perform audits or, or do well, kind of deeper people is, review. Yeah. Yeah. The first thing is like, I go back to, I believe we're looking at everything backwards. We're looking at everything as if it's an IT system. And so there's this whole thing. If the networks and we've gone through all the networks and the networks are good, therefore we're good. Wrong. What we need to do is turn this entire paradigm upside down and go back to where we were, in a sense, before we had the IP networks, which is to say, what is most important? The light staying on, the water flowing and the water being clean, or the boiler in a refinery operating in its optimal condition, okay? You know, and the valves, which are the part of the safety system, being sure that they really will operate. That 
has to be done from the engineering side, and it can't be done from the network side. The network side can help, but the network side is not the complete solution. What cyber has been up till now is having the network side be the complete solution. And it's intractable. We will never, no matter what any network monitoring company tells you, ever be able to assure cybersecurity of a control system if all you're doing is, quote-unquote, network monitoring. If you're not looking at the actual process and knowing that the process is good and then coupling that to the network, you're dead on arrival. Are there any uh, either companies or industries that you think are, are address, at least understand the scope of the problems and, and you know, maybe taking some, uh, some encouraging steps in the right direction? I'm going to go to the point of saying encouraging steps, and I'm going to point out, again, I'm an independent consultant. I work with all kinds of different organizations, governments, etc. I'm the managing director of ISA 99, and I do what as best as I can to be as independent and impartial as possible because that's my job. The, and I'm going to break it into two pieces. One is the control systems, and the other is the end devices, okay? With one exception that I know of, and everything I'm telling is that I know of, all of the major control system vendors, number one, are taking cybersecurity seriously. I want to be really clear about that. They are spending fortunes. They're devoting all kinds of resources to try to secure their systems. But the legacy systems, the initial platform was a platform that was never designed to be secure. There's only one company I know of. It's a small startup and it's able to do this because it doesn't have the legacy to protect. And that's, there's a plus and minus there. But it's a company called Bedrock. And what it's done is designed a control system from scratch to be cyber secure as well as to incorporate the lessons learned from control system issues in the past. And it even has made an attempt to even include EMP protection, electromagnetic pulse. So the issue, or, or what I'm really saying here is, if a company really, really wanted to do it, yeah, they can. One has, okay? Now, at the device level, what's happening there is We've got all of these legacy devices, you know, literally hundreds of millions that can't be secured, and they're going to be there for the next 
10 to 15 years. So we need to have some way of at least monitoring what is happening. And that's where this one little outfit in Israel is coming in, a little company called Sega. Because you've got to look at the raw signals to actually know what's happening. If you look at it after it's an Ethernet packet, it's too late. The hope is that as these newer sensors and devices are built, that they really do incorporate the requirements laid out in 62443. And it's going to be important because these newer devices are actually going to have internal web servers. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's, yeah. I mean, this is where we are and where we're going, period. Certainly, will open up a lot of uh, a, a lot of uh, a lot of new issues and and, and vulnerabilities. Is and, so, yeah. You know. No, I was I was just going to say, as you you know, as you look forward, I mean, are there, uh, you know, is there anything that you're uh, optimistic about, or uh, you know, any any particular concerns that that uh, you know that that bubble up the most? Well, the two things that, in a sense make me somewhat optimistic. Number one, and and this is on my blog site, Moody's is now really starting to look at cybersecurity and recognize it as a potential um, solvency issue that could affect their ratings, which basically means we have a chance really for the first time to have these kind of issues really, really, really float up to the to the sea level. Yeah, that's some, that is something that that's been discussed for a long time about it, just in terms of liability. But that's that's really interesting. I had I I was not aware of that. Yeah, this just happened. It's on the blog site. Moody's in there. They have a a, a monthly magazine, and in the January issue. It was really, there was a full page devoted to PG&E and the potential bankruptcy. And the bottom paragraph was about cybersecurity, not just of PG&E, but of the utilities. And so here is Moody's explicitly stating, this is a concern to us. And that message needs to get across because they're not accepting but I've got a piece of paper saying I'm NERC-SIP compliant. They really want to know that you're actually securing your facilities, that you're not going to be subject to insolvency. Right, right. Okay. Now, hopefully the insurance companies will pick up on it because with all due respect to what's out there, they don't really understand the real technical issues associated, and the potential real impacts. So that's the first. The second is the National Academy of Engineering wanting me to to write a paper and and, and to start getting involved in taking this seriously. Um, 
if we don't, I mean, from a market perspective, the ICS cyber market is going to be growing just because of the fear factor. The problem is, with all of that put in, you've got the biggest backdoors you can imagine. I mean, there is a huge risk to, to everybody. The flip side is, if we do it right and actually start looking at the process, not only do we have a chance to make many of the cyber threats go away, but we also have a chance to really make what IoT and Industry 4.0 keep promising because IoT and Industry 4.0 are based on two things, lots of sensors and big data analytics. And if you can't trust what you measure, IoT and Industry 4.0 ain't going to go very far. Yeah, no question. <laughs> that's, so, uh, that's a big issue. But again, there are this type of technology of looking at the sensors. The beauty is it's an enabling technology. It will, it can transform so much if you know you know, how good the measurement is that, you're, that you've got right now in real time. That has so many implications. We just have never had that capability before. And so there is a chance to make, you know, lemonade out of lemons if people choose to. No doubt. Well, this is you know this has been a uh, you know really enlightening conversation, and and I think the uh, <laughs> you know the, 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 I'm, I certainly was not aware of the extent of the challenges and 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 the scope ahead, but uh, um, but you know love to get a, a, a at least a sense of of some resources like where did, you know where can people go to to learn more about uh, how to address the to understand the 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 challenge and you know how how best to address it can you recommend a resource yeah well there's there's a couple of things and again i'm going to be biased i have a book that i wrote it's i i wish i could say it's out of date it isn't it's called protecting industrial control systems from electronic threats and i wrote it in it was published in 2010 either Fortunately or unfortunately, it's still valid today. Um, it will give people a much better idea both of what is and isn't control systems or what, what are control, and, you know, between IT and control systems. What are the unique issues and what should we be doing? Okay. The second thing is, again, I would say, you know, check out my blog site. You know, it's. I think it will give people a better idea. You know, www.controlglobal.com/unfettered. You know, U-N-F-E-T-T-E-R-E-D. The third is get involved with ISA 99. You know, if people are interested in participating, I mean, it's a standards organization. 
I believe it's the most uh, relevant and important of any of the control system standards organizations in the world. That is my feeling. And I happen to be on a bunch. Um, so if people are interested, um, you know, they can send me an email uh, or they can go directly to, you know, isa.org, um, you know, and go to the, the ISA 99 site or whatever. Um, there's a number of different uh, parts of the standards. I mean, there's patch management, there are system considerations, there's, um, you know, risk management, there is, you know, what do uh, uh, system integrators do, what should vendors do. There's a whole series of um, standards within this envelope. But no, the big thing is get involved with the smart people. Yeah, that's uh, that's great advice, and and we'll we'll we were gonna we'll post a link to your blog and to the book, and uh, you know really appreciate this. Is uh, again, this is uh, this has been Ed McGuire, the uh, Insights Partner at Momenta Partners, and our guest uh, has been uh, uh, Joe Weiss, uh, who is with uh, applied control solutions. Joe, thank you so much for your insights. It's, it's fascinating. And uh, I just, I, I learned a ton and had no idea, uh, you know, how, 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 how deep these challenges were. So thank you again. And thank you for the opportunity. And uh, I hope people found it of interest. Fantastic. Thank you for listening to the Momenta Intelligent Edge podcast. We rely on feedback, comments, and input from our listeners. So please interact with us by going to our LinkedIn page, our Twitter accounts, or email us at edge at momenta.partners with any suggestions, guest ideas, or commentary. We really value your input and appreciate your listening. Thanks a lot. This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner with Momenta Partners.